And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show. Presented by RIA Advisors. Well, good morning and welcome to Financial Fitness Friday. I'm Rich Rosso here with, uh, ooh, I look really short in the YouTube people. Listen, YouTube people, I didn't like lose, I can't afford to lose any inches whatsoever, but it, oh, wait, here we are. <laughs> welcome to Financial Fitness Friday. Listen, we got the radio and we got the YouTube. It's multidimensional. I'm Rich Rosso, CFP with Danny Ratliff, CFP Squared. Regardless of what Lance said, I'm here today. Lance said yesterday that I wasn't going to be here today. And I was like, ah, great. I have the day off. <laughs> and Brent goes, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. I don't know what Lance is drinking. That coffee is really getting to him. Well, you know, so one of the things we're going to talk about a lot of stuff today. But I will say futures are up first. Uh, we're up over 100 points. We seem to be breaking out of the malaise, Danny. And if there's any lesson for 2023 for investors is you cannot be completely out of the market, right? Any of the things that could have derailed the market in the first half of the year. And it didn't happen. Yes, I understand there's five to seven stocks driving a market. But look at how we have come out of this bear market. NASDAQ up over 30%, right? Best first half of the year since the 80s. Not to say that this will last, right? But people that are so confident, Danny, to blow up their allocation. Listen, I get it. The Fed's raising rates. Bonds competing with stocks. I get all... There were so many obstacles. This is, again, one of the most hated, skeptical markets for many investors. But if you're a longer-term investor, you, you have to understand, this is one of the best lessons to understand is it's never all in or all out, isn't it, Danny? Because I've had clients that'll say, we got to get all out. And it just never works. And then I wait for the clients that have been all out to tell me to go back in. And then I know I should be out, right? Because for the most part, most investors are really great contrarian indicators, <laughs> including professionals. So you always have to have some element of stocks in your portfolio if you're that kind of investor. Now, some people can't ap don't have an appetite for stocks. We totally respect that. And there are a lot of other things they can do. But if you are what you consider an equity investor, man, if this, if this year doesn't teach you so far with all the obstacles that you can't be all out, you may reduce your allocation. I don't know what year will ever be the poster child as good as it has been so far. What do you think? I do. I, you know, I, I think that that's a, a big part of it right now, right? Is, is that understanding that markets are going to do things that we can't rationalize a lot of times. And we're looking at mm -hmm. data and it's, it's conflicting. You know, we did get, um, you know, revised 
GDP from Q1 that was actually a little bit better than anticipated. We're getting, you know, more inflation data that's coming in. Um, and, you know, while some of this would suggest that things are slowing down, others are showing that the economy has been much more resilient than anticipated. But I think that, you know, we can do ourselves a little bit of a disservice as well by looking strictly at a specific index. So, you know, when we look back and over times, I think it's very difficult to piece together and understand how a broad portfolio works, especially in an environment mm -hmm. where market breadth has been extremely poor. I mean, participation yes. in this rally has not been good. And in fact, we've never come out of a bear market with this poor participation. So uh, yeah, this as far as what do you mean as far as just these just the tech stocks and anything attached to AI that's that's well, driven markets higher. That, that's correct. So there's more there's more stocks that are actually declining than advancing. Mm -hmm. And so that is problematic longer term and suggests that maybe, you know, this is where we do need to provide a little bit or, or use some caution. And there's a lot of flashing yellow lights that are still there. I mean, we still have the yield curve extremely inverted. Leading economic index has still been negative, what, 13 consecutive months now. I've seen, um, I don't understand. I've seen uh, Danny blow through yellow lights. Not to, no, me yeah, too. you've never I have seen not, that. I have not. Go ahead. Now, but, but there are, I have not seen you know, there, there are a lot of those just, you know, bigger picture things that we historically have looked at. Now, mm -hmm. we've talked about how maybe a lot of this has changed in a sense from the pandemic. I mean, obviously, we've seen the labor market has been different. What's going on with all the different areas at the moment mm -hmm. that historically would look one way, look a little different today. But, you know, so I think we can do ourselves a disservice as well by not understanding our own financial plans, what our hurdle rates need to be. And this can help kind of provide a ballast, I think, Rich, in the sense that people need to understand exactly what they're investing for. Bring it back to what those objectives are. And so, um, like last year, I feel like we had a pretty good year, all in all, mitigating mm -hmm. risk. But I had somebody come and, and I've had a couple people like, well, Danny, there is you know, this one area that did really well. Why are we not just all in on that one area? And I said, well, OK, well, let's let's talk about this. What yeah. did that one area look like the year before? Right. What does it look like year over year? And what type of risk do we have to take to to get these types of returns? And that's a, that's one thing I think that. You know, putting that into some type of perspective, understanding, you know, kind of what's going on, on mm -hmm. underneath the surface is extremely important right now. Because to get the you want to get the Nasdaq returns, that's great. Last year most people didn't want to didn't want to go near that, right? You didn't touch it with a 10 foot pole. But now it's like, whoa, hey man, look, look what's happening. And I get it. You know, and, and look, we have investments in those areas as well, but still extremely expensive, still a lot going on. And like we just talked about, and Lance has talked about you know, quite a bit over and over and over again. In fact, he's got an article on realinvestmentadvice.com mm -hmm. uh, about market breadth. You could type that in the yes. search and it gives you an article, really nice perspective on it uh -huh. and what to expect. Do we see a sector rotation? And, you know, so here's the problem I think that, that people are facing is that they look at NASDAQ returns. They're like, wow, this is great, right? Ninth positive week in the last 10. Um, at what point does that, does that train run out of steam? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I've always been a stock investor since I'm a kid. I used to have my uncle do it for me, and I'd pick the stocks, and he would buy them for me. Um, but I would say that you might be frustrated as an individual stock investor because unless you're in these sexy seven. I think everybody's frustrated, Rich. I mean, professional money managers, everybody's frustrated. 
I'm not frustrated, and I'll tell you why I'm not frustrated. No, but I think I think I it's understand. Easy to but, be. I mean, but like, if you're not studying the market, you know, eventually this this is going to this this love affair with AI. That doesn't mean you don't own tech, but you also want to own consumer defensive. You also want to have healthcare stocks. You know, we I, I look at pharmaceutical stocks, and except for Eli Lilly, and they're trashed. And that makes me sort of whets my appetite to think about rotation in markets. So you have to think about how you're going to represent different sectors in your portfolio and not be overwhelmed by one because that money drains away. Oh, I'm optimistic. Glass is half full here. I think there's a lot of opportunities out there. No, I do. And I think markets are inherently optimistic until they're not. And we climb these walls of worry. This wall is a big one and it's the biggest lesson as to why you don't go all in and you don't go all out and listen you can learn about money from anybody especially in small towns when we get back we're going to talk about lessons from the ruling watermelon bump when we get back stay tuned daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com Oh, Red, I declare, I plum missed that candy coffee. Whatever am I gonna do? Don't you worry, little darling. We'll watch it again on our YouTube channel. Why, Red? I never! The Real Investment Show YouTube channel has all of our past presentations from Candid Coffee and Lunch and Learn to special topic discussions and all of our live show recordings preserved for you. Subscribe now to the Real Investment Show YouTube channel or look for the link on our website at realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. And welcome back. So I think it's um, 109 to 113 degrees in the shade. Even Brent, who's half frogman, has to agree that it's very uncomfortable and stuffy around here. So years ago, I, I mean, it's funny. I, I know so many people from Texas. Danny, you're the exception because you know about a lot of different parts of Texas and Texas history. But I talk to people that are born here and know very little about Texas history, the Alamo, small towns. They don't travel outside their small area. Like for Texas being this this state of explorers, we've become a state of, of people that don't want to leave their little area. It's <laughs> I'm sort of amazed. I mean, Brent does too. Right? Brent's always on road trips, but there are some incredible places. And I, I came across Luling back in 2008, seven or eight, by accident. And was driving through and see that they have a watermelon thump. And for the most part, I've been going every year. And it fascinated me. So this watermelon thump, Danny, started in 1954. And I don't know. There's something about small towns in Texas to me. Like, I always say this. People always give me slack, but I don't consider Houston part of Texas. Brett's going to get me later. What? It's just not. Go ahead and drive and go to the small towns. That's Texas. That's the spirit of Texas to me. 
here. I don't know. I don't know. But I always, you know, the current residents there, I've always been fascinated by it. The town had 5,500 people. Now I think it's closer to 7,000. Listen, Luling's gotten expensive. I mean, and I will tell you, there's this acrid odor that comes from the oil pumps. There's the metal grind of the railroad. That railroad comes through all the time in Luling, no matter what, right? This ear-piercing whistle, that fragrance of barbecue, and I know I am in Texas. And I was pretty much baked alive at the last stump. I was telling Brent, I went up to watermelon stand and I had my ear on a watermelon, and a guy comes up to me and going, uh, what, what, what is, why is your ear on a watermelon? Is that a new way to pick them? I'm like, no, I'm just listening to see if it's boiling. It was, and I've gone the years where it's hot. This year was a whole other level of hot. But I am also the firm believer that you can learn from anyone. You can learn from anybody you talk to, anybody you see in any town. You got to be an observer. That's how you got to do it, right? So I'm going to quiz Danny Brent about some of this because I want to see if he understands what this means. So here is, I've compiled notes over the years, and I got a new one for this year. From the residents of Luling, as I asked them questions, and uh, some of them look at me like, Yankee, why are you asking me a question? <laughs> Listen, I've been here since 1998. Can I be adopted? I got here as soon as I could. By the fact, $100 billion profound shift has reshaped the southern U.S. as people flee to states like Texas, right? I'm going to talk a little about that later. Here's one of the lessons I learned. Danny, you'll have to tell me. I don't eat the whole chicken all at once, just a piece at a time. What are you asking me? <laughs> that's, what that that's means? fairly normal. Is it, <laughs> is it fried or barbecued? I mean, I've never seen anybody eat a whole chicken at once. I mean, yes, it may be in one uh, sitting. I have done it in one sitting. Not in one bite. I mean, no, piece at a time. What I'm saying is yeah. this growing wealth, the things that people do is a step at a time, right? With us, it's the financial awareness of your cash flow. It's spending less than your household income. It's managing debt and savings, right? It's about investing. I don't go all in and come all out, right? So, you know, you know when people say stuff to me in Texas and, and they have a way of doing it, I don't have any idea what it means. And I'm sort of afraid to ask what it means, especially if I'm standing on their property because I may not be there long. But I have to figure it out. And I'm like, okay, I don't eat the whole chicken all at once, a piece at a time. That could be dollar cost averaging. I mean, how do I relate that to money? Right? But taking baby steps. Investing, paying yourself first. I, I don't know. I ask people about, listen, it's about money. Can you give me a lesson? And this is what I get. I'm so glad you went that direction because I didn't know where you are going with this chicken thing. I mean... You talk about the watermelons, Texas. I, but you know, I was like, where, did, where is he going with this? I'm all this over shows the you place. how scripted we are. We're, we're so scripted, we're unscripted. I hope you guys are on your toes as well. Yeah, listen. I ask about money lessons. This is what I get. Don't eat the whole chicken at once. Just a piece at a time. And then you sit there and you scratch your head and then you got to figure it out. Because what a Texan wants you to do is 
You're a smart boy. Figure it out. And then I figured it out. Everything takes place over time. And then you have your Friday food segment. That would be great. Which is what? Who's eating chicken in Luling, by the way? Everybody. You're eating barbecue. Barbecue chicken. I don't think they serve barbecue chicken at I bet you can find it. City market, though. I bet you can find it. Oh, I'm sure you can find it. Probably in somebody's backyard. Now, this one you're going to understand, Danny. Don't owe nothing to nobody. I can see Danny getting a shirt that says that. Man, I, hey, listen, I, I love that one. But I also love being able to use leverage properly if done right. I mean, that's the problem I think that we have that so many people want to be debt free. And I, I'm all for that. But, the but senior you can use folk, it strategically Danny, as well. The senior old folk in Texas, they oh. don't like the debt. Hey, I'm with you. I don't like debt either. Like not one bit. And the guy who, did, who, who told me this had a mouthful of ribs and a face devoid of several teeth. I wasn't going to argue with him. Right? And you got to remember, the meat falls right off the bone at City Market. You don't need teeth. You got it. You need cash, though, because they don't take credit. How many people are you eating at City Market? Danny, been years. Years. Got to go back. What are you doing? You've never taken your children there? Nope. It's an experience. It is an experience. Listen, I don't like to go anywhere I have to stand in line. For any extended period of time to eat food. I get that. But just don't do it. I don't do it. I'm, I'm going to go with Richard on this. It's worth it. It's worth standing in line We for have it. two or three barbecue places very, very close to the house that are like <laughs> written up in you know GQ magazine. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're fantastic. Okay. But I'm done with the, the show today, everybody. Uh, Danny's on his own. See hey, you later. Who has time to go GQ stand in line for magazine? three hours? Texas Monthly. I'm talking about, listen, <laughs> GQ actually has a pretty good uh, write-up on barbecue joints. I, my head but, just exploded on air. Did anybody hear it? Go Google it. Look at Texas barbecue joints. You're going to find Texas Monthly, GQ, a bunch of other places. But what I'm getting at is like, I just won't, I don't have the time. I don't have the patience. If I'm going to eat, I'm going to eat. And yes, I like good food. I love good barbecue. But I will go later and pick something up after the line has subsided. And I'm not going to do it. Now I'm going to tell you. It's principle. If you just go on a Saturday outside of the thump, you won't be on the line very long. It moves very, very quickly. Yes. Doesn't well, it? They better have Chick-fil-A business model on. I'm not dealing Get with it. Get there about 11 o'clock before the regular crowd hits for lunch, and you'll be fine. See, the places around here, you got to get here like 9 o'clock. If you want 11 o'clock, eat. I'm not doing it. I no. did go to Truth Barbecue. I mean, I did go to Truth Barbecue outside of in Brenham. In Brenham, yeah, that's good. In Brenham. Not the one here in town, because yeah. I don't count that one. The one in Brenham. Very cool. Yeah, right off 105. Small. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. But I'm never going to forget the GQ recommendation. That's Oh, shut it. You know where I'm going. <laughs> Rich Ross is about that to where get, you get your, get your fashion ideas? To, not anymore. I used to. But based on the politics in that magazine, uh, I'm not going there because I should be wearing a dress, Danny. All right. Based on GQ, the best dressed man wears a dress. All right. Now, the heat won't kill you until it does. And I'm like, okay. As I understand in Texas, you respect the heat, especially if it's 113 degrees. But I thought about the Albert Einstein quote, Danny. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting the same results. So if that current relationship you have with money is subpar, you're overextending it on credit as opposed to what Danny said, where you're using credit in a smart manner. 
You're not saving for retirement. I sent Lance an article this morning that I think almost broke him. It's about how Gen Z just doesn't care about anything but sitting around and just letting things happen and let the cards fall where they may in late-stage capitalism where we're not saving and we're not doing a darn thing. That is the definition of insanity. If you're not taking care of your body, physically, mentally, you're failing to continue to learn, you are going to burn to a crisp. That's the money lesson I got from the heat won't kill you until it does. What do you think, Danny? I agree. You do? You still I don't have a whole lot to add on that one. You're still mad at me about that. Um, oh, no, man. Just <laughs> hay is gold. That's another one I got. Hay is gold. And I'm like, okay. We have record heat. Hay becomes a valuable commodity in Texas, right? Extremely Listen. valuable. I mean, you see people with their, you know, they're decreasing their herds because you can't afford it, the hay, especially in a drought. I mean, there's been big problems previously where, you know, being a farmer or a rancher mm-hmm. is extremely expensive. And it's not, you know, everybody thinks that you know, you're making a ton of money. That's not always the case. GQ says you can get your hay at Whole Foods. Just so you know. So, well, doesn't it think about it? All of life comes down to supply and demand, right? So... With the way the labor force participation rate is, you are in great demand if you're keeping up your skills, which means I'm going to make more money if I can keep my careers and build my human capital. We return. We're going to continue this. I might not be here with that look in Danny's eye, but one of us will be returning after this. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com welcome back so it's all good danny said he'll meet me outside after the show meet me in the schoolyard All right, we're going to continue our money lessons from Luling. I'll take small quality over a big stack of nothing. How do you like that one, Danny? I know everything's bigger in Texas, but I think there's an appreciation of quality and what's built well that I haven't seen in a lot of other states. Well, I think you're just not seeing that anywhere, even here. I mean, just... (laughs) Everybody wants to get the cheapest product as quick as they can or, or the product. And then fortunately it ends up being, you know, it's cheap. Sometimes you get what you pay for. And so I'm with you on that. I always try to tell somebody like, you don't want maybe, and I, and I got a little bit of this from the millionaire next door. I don't absolutely want the cheapest thing. I may not even want the most expensive, but I want it well-crafted and somewhere in the middle. 
and I should do okay. Well, I think that's where doing your homework comes in. Uh-huh. You can find, I was talking to somebody yesterday about um, their auto insurance. I said, man, it's gone through the roof. Yep. And I said, well, let's talk about it. And I actually have had a lot of emails about that as of recent. I said, well, homeowners, auto, right? Yeah, everything just has gotten so much more expensive. So, you know, we're talking about shopping around and what they were looking for and trying to look at. And I said, well, you know, the cheapest is not always the best. We need to look at, you know, obviously we want something that's attractively priced. But if we're buying insurance, we also want somebody that does good with claims. Um, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's not very good if you, you're going to fight for years trying to get money out of them uh, if you actually need it. And hopefully you never need it. But, you but know, there is a value to customer service, correct. promptness, as opposed to just looking at price. Or getting what you pay for in right. general, right? I mean, that's why we have it. And you're right. We always want the best deal. But again, having the best deal, um, there's a great book. Uh, I read it years ago called Cheap. And it talks about the evolution of the U.S. consumer how we eventually wanted more and more deals, right? And these big places like, well, where I was from up north, EJ Corvettes, but you also have bargain stores. But then it became, we got to go to China for cheaper stuff. And now we're in this issue where we don't want to have, to be so dependent on China. But it all stems, even though people say it's corporate greed, it stems from us, wanting cheaper and cheaper stuff as well. And then capitalism is going to find a way to, to, to capitalize on it. So the evolution of the U.S. consumer from wanting higher quality to junk crap uh, is fascinating in this book called Cheap. Uh, I'm sure you could pick up the paperback for cheap. <laughs> it's, it's been around a while. But it was just fascinating, Danny, to show how we became more addicted to these kinds of bargains that we wanted. But then, you know, I think when we say bargain, we're trying to find good stuff at a good price, but eventually it just became cheap stuff at a cheap price. Man, I remember, I mean, I know I'm aging myself, but did you have box fans? Brent, did you have a box fan? We still have box fans. I still have one in the garage. Okay, but I'm talking about box fans, not the ones now you go and you buy them from Walmart. Ones that were in the window? Well, but they're plastic. Yeah. They're all junk plastic. Now they but are. But when I was a kid, they were metal. They were metal. Weren't yes. they metal? I still have you a metal still get one. Metal you, ones. Ones. you can still get the metal mm-hmm. ones? Where do you get you those? You pay a little bit more for them. But yeah. I just don't see them when I go to like a a Walmart or something. I well, don't see the... I well, just they're see circular them. now. They're not boxed. <laughs> that well, may be your there's problem. there's a circle in the box, but... But the fans themselves, the outer ring, the outer part, the, mm-hmm. the grid, the, everything was metal. Yeah, I've got one so old the feet have fallen off of it. Really? But I still use it. You still love her, though. Yes. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> just had to go there. I just you? had to do that. I know. And now Brent's going to want to meet me outside at the school. No, no, no. I'm, everybody's ganging up on me. This is just like high school. <laughs> Back at Lincoln High School in Brooklyn. Um, the past has a place. But don't forget the present. And I was like, okay, this has a place. Don't forget the present. All right. So when I think about this, I think about when people buy stocks and then they have a bad experience with that company as far as the stock doesn't perform. When they sell it, they never go back to looking at it again. Like Microsoft is terrible. 
Apple was terrible, all these companies that were terrible, but realize companies are living and breathing, they change. But I notice when people sell something at a loss, Danny, they never, it's like, <laughs> close the door. I'm never looking at that company again. And yeah. maybe it's an entirely different investment. I think you have to have an open mind for a company that hasn't performed well. Like to me, what comes to my mind is Intel. No matter what, Intel cannot, Intel cannot get out of its own way. But I always watch it because maybe there'll be a change in management. Maybe they will turn things around. I think Cisco's be, you know, on that path. Yeah. So you can't, even though you may have an, a bad experience with an investment, it could have been your timing. It could have been management. It doesn't mean you can't look at it with fresh eyes, don't you think? Yeah, I think that's a common problem with most people is that they feel like, hey, this has been bad. I'm never going back to this again. I've lost money. Um, and things change. Like you just mentioned, management change. I think that's a big one that we see. You know, They can kind of right the ship and things actually do get better. That's a more attractive investment. So I always want to go back to like, why did you invest in it in the first place? There must have been some type of conviction. You must have liked it for, for one reason or another. And I think that goes with anything. I mean, I think we should learn from the past understand what our mistakes were, mm -hmm. document them. Because I think in this age of information, it, it comes to us so quickly. It's so easy to forget, you know, what were the reasons initially? Why did we buy a company? You know, what were the fundamentals? What, you know, jot these things down. What was your reasoning? And the problem, I think, too, is that we get so emotional about these things instead of just going by the data and going by what the, you know, and, and you've got to look at sentiment, too. Mm -hmm. But I think our own sentiment gets in the way sometimes. I think so. Now, I understand there are some companies that <clears throat> you may not want to own because you have, there's a conflict that you have with them. Like there are stores I'm never going into. Oh, there are stores I won't. Yeah, and I don't you know care. my list. I personally don't care if the stock goes up a bajillion percent. I'm not owning it. I'm not it's, selling my soul to the devil. Yeah. <laughs> He's feisty today. I like him. GQ, He's selling on point. the soul of the devil. Yeah. He's on point. Listen, man, I'm just trying to... Yeah, you know. you're right. You're right. I mean, I listen, and I re, and we'll respect that. If there's a company that you feel... It's not because you had a bad experience because you lost money in it, but is that there's something that conflicts with your... You know, who you are and what you believe in. Listen, as long as you understand the consequences of it, I, I'm more power to you. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. That's a rule, and a rule's a rule, and I'm okay with it. What do you think, Brent? Are you okay with that? I completely agree. Okay. Yeah, I'm with Danny. There's stores I will never darken the doorway of mm -hmm. again. And I'm okay with it. And they don't care. No, they'll they be care. fine without us. Yeah. That's perfectly fine. It's not like I'm making a big impact. But in my own, to, to Danny's point, I've got my own morals. I've got my own situation I've got to deal with. And I don't feel right about it. So I'm not going to do it. My list will be out next week for a small <laughs> fee of. Danny's list. <laughs> you too. So we have Danny's preferred list of, of retailers. Yeah, I yeah. like that. Yeah. Just don't go to... Pretty short. Uh, debut that on Wednesday. I'm not going with his yeah. magazine subscriptions because GQ, eh, not doing that. All <laughs> Look, right. man, I'm just trying to relate to you. That's why I brought it up. I mean, I figured, I know you were, you've been a lifetime subscriber. He's going to scratch. Oh, man. You know what I did subscribe to? Backwoods Magazine. Oh, Really? Is that that what is that? The cigars, cigarettes? What is it? What no, do they it's make? It backwards. It's all about like you're gonna go live stuff. in a hole. Yeah. It's good for a lot of wealthy on people too. Um, <clears throat> you can fool yourself, but the pigs will still laugh at you. 
So, you know what I thought about here? Emotion. The greatest enemy, Danny, as you talk about, is of investment and financial success. We are constantly plagued by overconfidence. We sell high, we, we sell low, we buy high, we hold on to losers too long, we sell winners prematurely, we create trends in our head that don't exist. You can fool yourself, but the pigs are going to still laugh at you. This one is my absolute favorite because I just stood there with my mouth open, and I'm sure about 30 flies went in there because I had no idea what that meant. I'm curious as to the context in which this statement was uttered to you. You don't want to know on the radio. Um, all I'm saying is someone was a little tipsy and came up with that. And I'm so like, did you just go around asking random I did, people? I did. Sitting and, at tables, and it was almost, me, sir. And I almost got the same tone I got with the GQ from you. Um, they were ready to beat me up. But well, I'm just curious. No, no. But no oh, I, I wasn't I, ready to beat you up. I no, mean, no I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, if that's going to be the Can one that does it. Can I get his sense it? of humor back? Where's my Danny? Man. Danny, where are you? I'm here. Okay. I'm here. Richard was traumatized in school. I was traumatized. Or in Luling, one of the two. <laughs> I, I think uh, Luling was more cathartic for him. Probably so. I was the bully's greatest target in school. Yeah. Well, as it's we say a, here in it Texas, it is what it is. Man. Bless your little heart. <laughs> That's the one I didn't get. Bless your heart. Why didn't I get that? I could have turned that into a money lesson. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious, did you go around and just ask people random I, picnic tables? I did. I or said, did, were you what's waiting? the best advice you can tell someone in, a, in your Texas way? In other words, you learned it in Texas. What's your best advice? And this is, these are what I got. And some of them amazed me. Just write a book on it. I could write a book on these. If I keep doing this over the few years, I bet I can come up with a really, really good book. All right. Guess we'll be back. We're going to be talking about other stuff here when we get back here on Financial Fitness Friday. Stay tuned. Daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Now, nobody in Luling talked to me about uh, annuities. Everybody was just too happy with the watermelon. Barbecue. Did you have vodka in your watermelon? That would be. That is amazing. And Pritchard I. Richard thought he talked to all these people. He was literally just talking to himself. I do talk to myself a lot, but uh, yeah, I do do. I do that. I'm doing it right now. Ooh, that's Floyd the barber. Ooh, Andy. Ooh. Exactly. See. See. He's like, man, I talked to all these interest, interesting characters, but. It's like a behold, M. Night Shyamalan movie. He's really talking to himself. It's, uh, yeah, listen, you got to talk to yourself once in a while. Um, especially when you're dealing with my, people's money every day and emotions. It's like, oh, my goodness. Um, we have, coming up in July, we're going to have a really great 
mid-year forecast with Lance Roberts. Coming up is a can to coffee. July, we don't have it posted yet. 22nd. 22nd. So you're going to want to be there. Sort of a wrap-up of what's happened and what we think going forward. So I said to Lance, what do you think is going to happen going forward? He goes, how the heck do I know? But he will know. He better know by July 22nd. <laughs> he will know. So this is going to be a great informative Q&A with Mr. Roberts. He'll, have, he'll satisfy you with his charts. Your appetite for charts will be appeased. He will be there to wrap things up. Because again, as we talked about in the beginning of the show, this has been a rather strange year. Hasn't it? We should have uh, registration available by the weekend on this thing. Excellent. That's what we're planning on. Anyway. Well, we always do get a big turnout when Mr. Roberts decides to grace us on a Saturday morning. So, um, Which is a rare event, by the way. It is, because he's usually writing and yeah. cursing at his computer. <laughs> uh, just to make sure you're getting your newsletter on time. And so, again, we do this. We want to give you an idea, wrap up what's worked, what's not, what we think will work. Um, again... Part of our job is to be look at the macro environment, and it's not just about investing for today. Because we are not, believe it or not, short-term traders. We are long-term investors, and we will look for value in a market. We will look for and examine the economic conditions and the numbers and figure out where the puck is going to go and invest there. But since investors have a holding period of one minute, it makes it a little difficult. You want a good advisor who is looking at things, bigger picture, longer term. And that's what we do. We also are, not to pat ourselves on the back, I think very, very, very competent financial planners. And what's interesting, there was a study that came out. It's an in-depth new report from mm, BlackRock and the Bipartisan Policy Center. <laughs> the study is true, though. Adding guaranteed income combined with a more aggressive asset allocation can generate an additional 29% in a typical person's annual spending power from accumulated retirement savings that's excluding Social Security. On the surface, this makes sense. If I have an annuity, an annuity means check for life. I'm getting income in Danny, right? I'm getting money in. That, that is a very conservative investment, even though it's designed to mitigate longevity risk. That, therefore, in my variable asset portfolio that I may not need to touch for a very long time, I can afford to be more aggressive because maybe I don't need to tap it as often. Maybe I don't need to follow a withdrawal rule. And if I do, you know, I have a client that has quite a bit of pension coming in and guaranteed income. His withdrawal rate's 1% from the portfolio. So I said to him not too long ago, I said, you know, you can be more aggressive when the time is right in this portfolio because you don't tap it. It's got a longer-term timeline for you and your children. And again, that doesn't mean taking unnecessary risk. It just means that if I've got 
on one side of the fence, all this guaranteed income coming in, and I maximize my Social Security, then I have more flexibility to spend and manage my withdrawal rate on the variable asset side. Don't you think that makes sense, Danny? No, it does. Uh, Lance and I talked a little bit about this on Wednesday, this exact study. And, uh-huh. you know, I think it's very important, though, to understand exactly how the annuity fits, how you use it. Sure. Um, you know, somebody asked, how do you eat an annuity? Um, you know, and, and really, you know, do you buy it all at once? How do you how do you structure ah, these things? Point. And I think that the the big picture is it needs to be planned for. And one of the big disservices, we, we talk about this frequently with any type of insurance, is that it's sold, not planned. And... That's where I think people get into trouble, but it does allow this. Just like we talk about Social Security, when you take this properly, it eases the burden on a vol- on a volatile or a portfolio that's going up and down. But it does allow you to take on a little bit of additional risk potentially in the right environment. And I think that's the one thing that needs to be understood, right? And so understanding the math of loss, how it works, what happens, it doesn't mean you just go throw caution to the wind and you know get very speculative, but it will allow you to not not use that old rule. What is it, Rich, that you take your age, you take 100, Ugh. subtract your age, that's how many bonds, you know, how much in bonds you need. These it's rules so broken, are right? just terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's just terrible. The, the most important part of this from a conceptual perspective is guaranteed income comes in all no matter what. And therefore... The ebbs and flows in my portfolio, I am not as distressed or dependent. There are studies that will show people with guaranteed income will spend more money. Because, listen, if I know I'm getting in $2,500 a month, I'll spend it all. Because next month I'm getting another $2,500. Versus, oh my gosh, look what the market did here. And I have to go ahead and worry that this year the market's down. Look at last year, Danny. Now, in our plans, nobody was affected because we've built in these kinds of tests to look at what ifs and we feel that with valuations markets are going to be rough over the next few years so we didn't have anybody affected but even psychologically even though we told investors our clients hey you could take your withdrawal rate no problem they still wanted to cut back because psychologically it didn't feel right emotionally to tap the account when it was down. And again, we weren't down anywhere near as much as the market, but even so, when if I have a guaranteed income coming in, and for people who did, they said, listen, Rich, I'm going to cut off my withdrawal rate this year. I don't need to worry about it. I, I'll make do. But if I'm depending on everything or all my retirement income from variable assets, I just can't mindlessly take 4% a year. That's a fairy tale. I have got to monitor my withdrawal rates and perhaps adjust them, create guardrails around when I can take more, when I maybe don't want to take more, but I take about the same, or do I want to take less? Do you remember in the height of the COVID uh, storm, all these studies were coming out about the 4% rule really was 2.9% rule? So think about you having to tell one of your clients, listen, yeah, you were taking 4% this year. You're going to be less than that. Actually, I think it was 2.5% rule. So, well, for the most part, half of what you would usually take. Now, that sounds easy in theory, but what do I have to do in my household now to take out half of what I was taking before on a lower balance? 
Yeah, I think that's going to be really difficult for a lot of people. And, and that's the problem is that we've lived by these old school rules of thumb for so long mm-hmm. that the financial media has told us this is how it should be done. And it's not accurate any longer. And, and you know, we've seen that, especially in this age of lower interest rates, where how did you get to that 4%? Now, mm-hmm. it's probably getting a little bit more achievable, but how long do we have these rates here for? Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's, if it's for a long time, well, then maybe, hey, if we can get cash at 475 that's great. That's that's an easy thing to do as long as everything else is ticking up with it. But at the end of the day, we have to think about this is that it's only going to move with inflation. So, you know, we can have higher rates and yields while that's nice. But, you know, we have to think of what what, what are we giving up? We're always going to give up one thing for something else. You know, and Lance talks about it all the time, right? Safety, liquidity, flexibility, uh, growth reinvestment risk, all of these things that we're going to face with any of these types of things. You can't have it all, That right? you have to back into mm-hmm. to get that 4%. Obviously, dealing with variable assets, it's got to be pretty nimble. And if I think it's that's... variable, you need to be flexible. Correct, right? which mean, is which is a big reason why, like, if you have a financial plan, mm-hmm. I'd prefer you break down those numbers. Absolutely. Like, actually, actually break them down. What is your basic living expense? To keep a roof over your head, fed, clothed, right? All the necessities. Then let's talk about all the things you want to do. You need a new car. How often are you going to need it? Can you delay it for a year? Probably so. I mean, in some cases you can't. Um, you want to travel, gifts. I mean, we start we start really putting these in buckets, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden we realize there's areas. And, and what I find, Rich, is though the people intuitively do cut back. They do in times of of stress or you know bad economic cycles, market cycles. A lot of times people do a really good job of this. Um, and they, they don't take that 4%, but there may be years they take five. There may be years they take two. And that's okay. But understand how that impacts you and your plan overall. Absolutely. So keep in mind, we got some important numbers coming out. 730, PCE inflation. We're going to see where this number goes. This is the number the Fed looks at, remember. So keep that in mind. And again, you may have a long 4th of July weekend. Be safe. Keep all your extremities. Have fun. Be grateful where you are in this country, and we'll see you again next week. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.